Hey, good morning. There's snow on the ground. It's officially winter now, right? Well, not quite, but in Mount Shasta it is. Hey, thanks for braving the snow. You know, you guys are the true Mount Shastaites or Northern Californians who, snow doesn't scare you, right? Doesn't, doesn't scare you? Just go slow, right? The trick is to go slow in the snow. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 4. If you would turn there in your Bibles with me today, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one out of the pew rack right in front of you. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time right on these epistles from Paul, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, right? Then we have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then some little letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians that we're going to spend some time looking at. So it's going to be right there. You can just flip back and forth real easy. Uh, well, well, the majority of our text will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You ever feel like giving up? Like just, I'm, I'm throwing in the towel, Right? I'm going to wave the white flag of surrender and just be done. You know, life seems to just throw, at, throw us like these curveballs and throw us these, these tasks to do. And when we, when we think we've kind of got it figured out, we think we kind of got it like under control and we're, we're kind of in a rhythm, something big comes up, right? Something big happens. Um, you know, and this time of the year is certainly no different. I, I think that this time of the year is even bigger. And I don't know why we fool ourselves. You know, first thing is all the leaves and needles fall, right? So you've kind of got the schedule, things are happening. Maybe the kids are back in school and there's a routine and, and you know you've kind of got that settled and you're going to have a break coming up. And then, and then there's this yard work thing that has to take place. And in, in Mount Shasta, that's not easy to do because we have like one day free of rain and snow to clean it up, right? And I, on my property, I have like nine oak trees that I can't even, I mean, you can't even get your arms around. They're so huge, right? Nine of them. Talk about oak leaves everywhere. Praise Jesus, there was no acorns this year, but oak leaves everywhere. And there was one day, Veterans Day, was the one day I had that was available and free of weather to do any kind of raking or any kind of cleanup. So it's one of those things that, of course, never got done all the way. And it will have to take place when the snow finally melts. She's like, oh, I need to clean up outside now, or I need to put the, put the tools away or put the things away and you know, get, the, get the lawn furniture off the patio. And you set these tasks to do, right? And then, okay, we, we kind of settle in, and we're doing all right. And then Thanksgiving comes up. We just had that this Thursday. Great, great time together, most, mostly, right, with family and, uh, or friends, just being thankful. But it's, it's an event, right? It's an actual event. I mean, you're, you're tasked with cooking something, or your family has to bring a dish, or it, it's, it's a big deal. I peeled 15 pounds of red potatoes, right? I'm like, I haven't done that for a long time. And red potatoes are small, right? I have no skin left on here, and it's just, oh, wow, it, it, was, it was brutal. No, it didn't, it, didn't get in, it didn't get in the potatoes. It's kind of gross. But, you know, there's a lot of work to do. Whether maybe you're tidying up your house or getting ready for these big events, and you're thinking, oh, now we have all this stuff to, to, to do. And then, then, of course, we're inundated with Black Friday ads or pre-Black Friday ads, Thanksgiving Thursday ads, whatever it is. Oh, I, I got to buy Christmas presents. So we, we get in this routine, we're like, okay, I'm good, I'm okay. And then life just says, no, no, you're not quite there, you're not ready. There's more, more happening. So now in December, we have all of these activities. Our church calendar is just full of activities going on. And not, not that I have to be at every one or you have to be at every one of them, but there are a lot of things happening, right? There's just a lot. And you've got to look at your calendar, you've got to be extra diligent to set aside the family time you need to set aside, to set aside the priorities of stewarding your home and stewarding your finances and then setting aside the, the time to, to be with your family and to, to meet with people and to have those parties and have fun. But there are days, it's like, I just want to lock the door, turn out the lights, and stay in my pajamas all day. Amen? 
Right? I just want to give up. I want to stop. I want to surrender. And some days, that's okay. Sometimes I think that I take one big breath between the beginning of school and January 1st. Right? It's like, what just happened to our schedule? When I was in school, it seemed like it drug on forever. It's like, is January ever going to get here? Now that I'm a parent and I have a daughter in preschool and, and this stuff happening, at the end of August, 1st of September, you take a breath and you need that breath to take you through to January 1st sometimes, right? There's so much stuff happening and we get overwhelmed and we want to surrender. I think that's similar also spiritually. We can get overwhelmed. We can begin to wave the white flag when we feel like we just don't have the strength to do what God's calling us to do anymore. We don't have the resolve to deal with that sin or that temptation anymore. When those people in our lives that have just bent us the wrong way continue to do that, we just feel like we're going to snap and say things that Jesus would no doubt not want us to say. There's times that we want to surrender there as well. I think that in the holiday rush of things, there are times that you should surrender. You should say, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there. I've got to reprioritize and make sure I'm putting first things first. <clears throat> it's a phrase I have used before, and I've told you is that sometimes saying no to some things means that you're saying yes to something more important, and that's okay. And, and just so you know, saying yes to some things could mean you're saying no to something that's more important as well. So really taking the time to prioritize what, what am I going to do and why am I going to do it? Am I going to do it for people's sake and that, they, that they're pleased? Or am I going to do it so that my, my Lord is pleased and my family is served well? Those are some of the things you can do this holiday season as we focus on Jesus, right? And then love our family. So today I want to talk about not giving up. Paul talks about this in this passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 4. He talks about not giving up and what it looks like to not give up. And I hope that we can come away today saying, you know what, it's, it's not based on my strength. It's based on the strength and power of God living in me. And that's why I can press forward. And those times where I feel like I just can't do it anymore, I have to remember, you're right. I can't do it anymore. But that's why I have this superpower inside me called Jesus Christ. And that his power can be lived out of me and through me. So we're going to pray, and we're going to start it in 2 Corinthians. Ready? Let's pray. God, thank you for, thank you for this time of the year. I, I may sound like it's not fun and, and not exciting, but God, it is. It's, it's a time that family can come together, and we can remember and love our neighbor so well, and we can focus our eyes and our minds and our hearts on you. But help us prioritize the very best we can. And God, when we feel like quitting or giving up, we can, we can look to you and say, God, what do you want me to do? And God, those things you've called us to do, you've asked us to do, we can not only do well, but we can do with your strength. Not throwing in the towel, but just trusting in you. Open our hearts and minds now to scripture as we read it. May it change us and challenge us and give us a perspective that is from, from above. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to read the whole passage of 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 together. And then we're going to break it down together, okay? So starting in, verse, <clears throat> starting in verse 7, and we'll go through 18. So now we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. 
We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For, for we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in accordance with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. For all this is because of you, so that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to God's glory. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary, uh, momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. I want you to notice verse 16. Let's look at verse 16. This is kind of the peak of this passage. And, and the first word of verse 16 says, therefore. So therefore, so because of the things I've just said, we can understand and know this. And what is it that we should know? That we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. So the understanding Paul wants us to get is, listen, we don't give up. Because even though it hurts, even though it's, it's uncomfortable, even though we're feeling pressure around us, inside we're being renewed and made new day by day. We're going to be looking more and more like our Lord Jesus. And then in verse 17, for, so it has another word, the for. It's another reason, and we'll talk about this later, but for our momentarily light affliction is producing for us an, an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So there's an eternal perspective that gives us this gumption, this strength, this resolve to say, don't give up. Don't give up. I want you to, to look up to verse 1 real quick uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, or 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. So he starts off the whole passage, the whole chapter says, don't give up. We've received this mercy from God, so we ought not give up. So today I want to look at that. I want to look at this, this passage and say, what, what does this mean to not give up? What are the reasons that Paul is stating for us that we not give up, right? So number one, if you have your notes there, number one, we don't give up because there's power, there's power in the treasure. There's power in the treasure. Let's look at verse seven again, seven through nine. Now we have this treasure in jars and clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around, this goes on, we always carry around the, the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus might be revealed. See, listen, there's this treasure that you and I possess. This treasure is, is this power. It's like this superhuman strength inside of us. And why do I say it's a superhuman strength? Because it compares you and I to fragile clay jars. And these clay jars were used for lots of things, but they were cheap. And, and you, you always told the kids, don't go buy those, don't go near those, because they would knock them over and they'd break them. See, you and I are fragile, and, and you and I are broken. You and I are fractured. And, and what God does is says, my power is going to come in. My power is going to reside in you. My power is going to make you whole again so that everyone can see 
though you're pressed and though you're pressured and though you're persecuted, you are not going to break. Not because you're strong, because you're still the weak vessel, but because I am strong. I feel like giving up all the time because the pressure gets so tight, right? It gets tense. You get that pressure in your life, and you start getting that, that stress and those ulcers, and you're like, oh, I need an antacid right now. You know, we think we're going to break. We have to be reminded that God says, no, my treasure is inside of you. I am inside of you. The hope of Christ lives in you. And it's like this superhuman strength. Paul writes to, uh, to the Colossians in 127, he says, that this treasure, this mystery inside of you is actually Christ in you. It's a mystery, but it's Christ in us. That although we're weak, we are strong because of him. Uh, you're keeping your finger here, your tab, your ribbon, whatever you're doing. Flip uh, to 1 Corinthians, just the book right before this, chapter 1. Just a couple pages over. <clears throat> I want us to look at a passage here, uh, verses 26 through 31. Understanding this mystery a little more. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen the world's foolish things to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things to shame the strong. God has chosen the world's insignificant and, uh, and despised things, the things viewed as nothing, so he might bring to nothing the things that are viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But from him you are in Christ, who for us became wisdom from God, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Amen. Yeah, we, we talked about this last week, and we talked about this boasting and this overflow of life that we boast in the Lord, right? See, the strength that you and I have, you and I can't accomplish what we think we can accomplish. Only we, we can only accomplish it through the power and strength of God. And see, pressing on, staying the course is not about how wise you are, how rich you are, how strong you are, what your social status is. See, that's the entirely wrong measuring scale. God takes what is weak and what is seemingly insignificant and he makes it into something that can reveal his glory. Amen? He takes something that is weak and seemingly insignificant and makes it into something that can reveal his glory. You see, here, here's the truth about not giving up. God actually calls us to shame, he calls us to humility, and he calls us to give up. That first time I experienced Christ, that first time I believed the gospel and trusted in the righteousness of Christ that wasn't from my own, he basically, here's what he said, he said, Brandon, give up on your own self-righteousness. Give up on your own strength. Give up on your own resolve or popularity. Give up because you count for nothing. And your works count for nothing. See, for you and I to really not give up, we have to what? We have to give up. We have to surrender. We give up because He can work with the humble. He can work with the broken. He can work with the weak and the seemingly insignificant. 
And when we have that power, the power of Christ in us, we don't give up. Amen? We don't give up. Number two, we don't give up so that Christ's life is revealed in us. Let's carry on, verses 10 through 11, 2 Corinthians 4. 10 and 11 says this, We always carry the, uh, the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our body. For we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. What Paul is saying, there are pressures everywhere. And Paul, in the circumstances that he was writing this, death was at his door all the time. People wanted to destroy this way called Christianity, right? This trusting in, and this trusting in the Messiah, the Savior. They wanted to put a kibosh on it. So there was, it wasn't just pressure and, and kind of like a, oh, you're wacky, you don't, have a, you, don't, you don't know what you're talking about, you're kind of believing some nonsense like we get today in America. This was, we are going to kill you and your family because you believe in Jesus. Now that's still happening around the world, right? That still occurs. But the pressure was strong. And he says, even with that pressure, even with that pressure, the, the, the death is knocking at our door, Christ's life is still revealed in us and through us. Because I've, I've died to myself. I've already, I've already killed myself, right? My old way of life is gone. And I've risen to newness of life with who? With Jesus. And the power that I have and the way I live is living by the grace and strength of Jesus. It's not about my own strength anymore. It's not even about my life anymore. It's about his life being revealed through me and through my works. Some would say that our suffering is evidence that God is not with us. But Paul as he writes this, and other places, Paul would say that it is a badge of loyalty. A badge of loyalty in Christ and the revelation of God's power in Christ through us. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. And though we're pressed on every side, we're not crushed. Persecuted, we're not abandoned. Struck down, we're not destroyed. And Paul understood that. And he wanted to give us an encouragement saying, listen, you don't have to give up because God resides in you. And as you don't give up, Christ's life is, uh, is revealed in you. Flip to Galatians, just a, a couple books beyond, or just the next book, actually, uh, after 2 Corinthians. Galatians 2. Look at verse 15 through 21. I want us to, under, to understand this dying to ourself, right? This idea that, that our life isn't the one that even counts anymore. We've crucified that, and now we're risen to newness of life with Jesus. Starting in chapter 2, verse 15, and we'll go through 21. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, uh, no human being will be, by them, no human being will be justified. What he's saying is, listen, all the strength we think we have, all this ability to keep the law and do, do the things that God wants us to do, none of us can live up to that. None of us can do that. It's all, this is all about being justified by faith in Christ. Verse 17, but if while seeking to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found to be sinners, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild uh, those things I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. So if I, I tear down what I thought, the legalism, right? If I tear down these rules and say, no, it's not about the rules, and then I start to try to rebuild the rules and say, oh, yeah, it's about following the rules, I, I'm a lawbreaker. For through the law, I have died to the law. 
that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Righteousness comes through faith in Christ. What Paul said to the Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that lives, but who? Christ lives in me. Christ is the one who is, is leading and guiding and directing. He has the reins. And, and listen, he has the power to do that. You and I don't. We, we gave up. We surrendered and said, God, you must invade. Your righteousness must take over our lives. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. We now live by Christ's power, revealing Christ's life. Amen? Christ's power reveals Christ's life. We walk around as those who were dead and now are alive. And nothing can take that away. That leads us to number three. We don't give up so that we may overflow with thanksgiving. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. And last week, we spoke about giving thanks. And we shared in the Lord's Supper together as, as a tribute to the Lord of what he's done. We were all filthy rags made clean by him. And we celebrated and gave thanks. And that was our church Thanksgiving feast, right? Our lives, as, as we press on, we, we, we overflow with thanksgiving. Our lives should overflow with thanksgiving. Let's carry on in our scripture from 2 Corinthians 4, uh, beginning at verse 13. We'll go through 15. It says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, in accordance with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believed, or believe and therefore speak, knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present, present us with you. For all this is because of you, so that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to God's glory. What he's saying, listen, it doesn't matter if we live or die. Ultimately, one day we'll all be together. God's going to present us together because of himself, because of his life, and because of his resurrection. The same power that was available to Jesus when he rose from the dead is now available and lives inside of you and I. That we have Christ's power within us. And that that should cause us to overflow with thanksgiving. Here's, here's what happened. Mercy was extended to us through Jesus. Uh, we gave up. We waved the white flag of surrender and said, God, I give up. I'm, I'm trusting in faith in Christ and, and his righteousness. And then we are given a treasure of Christ's righteousness. He says, good, it's not you anymore. It's now all about Jesus. We're, giving, we're, giving, uh, we're getting something from Jesus, right? A, a treasure of his righteousness and his power. And then grace abounds. So in our life, we have this power inside of us. And then God continues to fill us up and give us more and more grace, more and more power, more and more energy so we can overflow. It's not just that we can store it up. It's so that we can overflow to the world around us. See, you and I as Christians should have full lives because of what Jesus did and because of Christ in me. And that fullness of life should overflow as thanksgiving. And then finally, as it overflows in thanksgiving, God gets the glory. God gets the credit. 
And we put credit right where it's due, right? We were nothing. We gave up and surrendered, laid ourselves down. And God took the weak. He took the humble. He took the broken. And he put himself inside of it and said, I can fix and restore and make whole. And I'll, I'll give you the power that you need to live my life. It's not about you anymore. It's about Jesus. And we don't have to give up because we can overflow with thanksgiving. And as we overflow with thanksgiving, God will get the glory. God will get the honor. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So same book, like one page over, chapter 9, maybe two pages, verse 10. It says, now the one, that's Jesus, who provides seed for the sower and bread, uh, bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and, and increase the harvest of your righteousness uh, as, you, as you are enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. What he's saying is, listen, God, God is in us. He's going to give us the seed, give us this, this ability to, to, to harvest. And, and that's our ministry, right? Whatever we're serving God and whatever capacity we're serving. And part of that serving the body and part of that serving right, right where you're at, your neighbor right next to you, that you're loving God, you're overflowing with thankfulness. He's giving you the power to do that. As, as you are enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. I want us to, to focus on that scripture for a minute. This is kind of the crux of it. When busyness happens and life happens, we tend to start to be inwardly focused, right? I mean, we put a mirror above the first thing we see it in the morning, right? We get up in the morning and automatically we focus on ourselves. Now, sometimes that should be good, right? We should look at ourselves and take care of ourselves. But we're inwardly focused. What this scripture says uh, in verse 12, he says, For the ministry of this service is not only... So this is the ministry of the service he's called us to. Is not only... Supplying the needs of the saints. So it does mean it is supplying the needs of the saints. It, what it means is that you and I, as believers, as children of God, as the church, are to look after and to care for one another. We're to supply each other's needs. We're to make sure that we are not lacking in some way, that we can help and encourage and support and uplift. Caring for one another is one of the primary things that Christians should be doing. And if I'm too busy looking at myself, I can't focus and see the needs of others around me. That's one of my prayers all the time. God, make me constantly aware of those that have needs around me. Whether it be my neighbors or my church, but first my church. What's going on right here? This is my family. This is, the, this is my eternal family. And what, what's going on around me? I, you know, I, I drive by my neighbor's house every day. I get a chance to pray for her every day. To encourage her and stop and visit with her every day. I want to be aware of those needs. Because I can, I can easily just turn the radio on and think through my list and drive right by and not wave or not stop or not smile. But God's given us this ability to care for one another. And then, so, so supply the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. He didn't even list them out, right? He said, guess what? As you don't give up, as you have this treasure that's Christ in you, as you have this power, you and I are going to overflow with many acts of thanksgiving. That our lives would be this living sacrifice, lived out in service and love to other people. That people would see Christ in us and the relevancy of Christ because of our many acts of thanksgiving. 
You know, this time of the year, we're thankful for a lot. But every single day, every single moment of every single day should be those many acts of thanksgiving to God so that God would get the glory and people would see Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what our lives should be about. And that's what I said earlier. It's, it's taking that time to reprioritize. Saying, God, what's really important here? What's really important? Talk about overflowing. You know, I talked about those potatoes I peeled, right? 15 pounds of potatoes. We had like 10 pounds left over of, of mashed potatoes. I'm like, oh, I can, I can do a lot less next year. I thought, oh, this is going to be big. We need to go big, right? And my mother-in-law gave me this bowl that was, here's for the mashed potatoes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I made them. There are lots of leftovers. But for you and I, sometimes we put too much on our plate. We put too much in our lives. And it's, it's too much of the focus that is away from meeting the needs of the church and too much of the focus away from the many acts of thanksgiving that we can do to show Christ. I'm not saying we stop those things that we're doing. I'm saying we make sure there, there are many acts of thanksgiving and thankfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our overflow is caring for one another and letting Christ live through us in our lives. Finally, number four. <clears throat> we don't give up. Because our affliction is momentary. Our affliction is momentary. Let's look at 16 through 18, the rest of the chapter. It says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary, uh, momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's a momentarily light affliction. You have to change this, change our perspective on things. I want you to understand, when Paul says it's momentary, what he is really talking about is it only can last this life. I think you and I, when I first said that, you started thinking, yeah, that's right. We, we'll come, it'll come and go. It's no big deal. No, our affliction may be for the rest of our natural lives. Paul knew that. And for you and I to get a better perspective on eternity, he had to say that. I, I've, I've done this illustration before about living for the line, and I, I want you to think about something. Um, I want you to think about the I-10 freeway. I know it's not a, a fun thing to think about. I told the story before, I, I flew into Houston to pick up Danny when they were moving back uh, here, and we, we drove from Houston all the way to California on I-10, right? I-10, obviously, it goes all the way to Jacksonville, Florida. It goes all the way across the country. But it was enough from Houston to California. And we're driving, and I told you, that, that long, it's a long, straight, boring stretch of road. I'm sorry if you're from Texas, I just didn't like it, right? I'm driving on this road, and it's, I, it's like I-80, same thing, going over to Wyoming and across the whole United States. So we're driving on this road, and we get on, I'm driving, the sun, I said this before, the sun, what, it sets in front of me, it goes down in front of me. And I'm driving, we're driving straight through, because we're men, right? We're driving, it, which is kind of stupid. We're driving straight through, the sun sets in front of me, and I'm driving the same road, the same direction, the same speed, and hours and hours and hours later, on the same freeway, the sun rises in my rear view mirror. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> Am I living in the twilight zone? How is this possible, right? 
And I know there are truck drivers that are like, yeah, that happens all the time. The sun goes like this, right? We, or our earth spins and it, it rises and sets. It was crazy to me. I'm on the same road, going in the same direction. It felt like it was going to last forever. I couldn't imagine driving from Jacksonville to California, right? And I-80 goes from Sacramento, goes over to New York. We can span the whole country on the same freeway. It's pretty crazy. But I want you to think of that freeway as eternity. That's the length of time of eternity. We, from, from Southern California to Jacksonville or from Sacramento to New York, draw a line, and that's eternity. See, we're living for eternity. And, and this, this right here represents this life. I want you to place that quarter somewhere on that freeway. And that represents the 70, 80 years we have here. It's not a lot. It's a momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that will be revealed to us. Amen? It's about eternity. This life is about living for eternity, not living for the quarter on the freeway. It's about living for eternity. And when we change our perspective, we can embrace that Christ is in us. Last passage of the day, Colossians. It's a couple books after Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. So we have this power in us, right? The same power that raised Christ from the dead. So verse 1 of chapter 3 says, So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, where the Messiah is. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. We set our minds on the things above. Listen, we are not of this world. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. And this brief quarter, right, this, this little quarter of a lifetime that we spend here is nothing compared to the, the eternity. Eternity we will spend with Jesus in his kingdom. We have to change the perspective. And with that perspective, we can press on. Not giving up is about giving up. It's about getting Jesus. And it's, a, it's about getting a perspective change that we are God's people living with God's power for God's glory. Amen? All right, let's stand and have prayer together. Father, we thank you so much for th- this time of year. Although it's, it's burdensome at times and there's a lot to do and schedules are crazy, God, I, I pray that you would focus our hearts and our minds on the things above. That we would do a priority check. We would find out what is really important to you and we would seek to do those things. That, God, we would love taking care and meeting the needs of our church family. And that, God, we would love doing the many acts of thanksgiving to those around us, that we would point them to the love and hope in a Savior that's Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. As we close today, it's our opportunity to respond and sing and worship to him or to pray. If you'd like to have someone pray with you, I'd be happy to do that. I'll be standing right down here and I'd be happy to, to pray with you wherever you're at. But whatever God's doing in your heart right now, whatever he's, he's causing it to stir in you, listen, we, we give up, right? We, maybe you have to wave that white flag today and give up so that Christ can do something in you. Or maybe you're, you need to reprioritize your life. 
Say, God, let me focus on the things that, that count and matter for eternity so that I can have the power that I need to go through this life. Whatever it is, as we sing, you worship, you respond to God. All right? Let's sing.